0: That is a great song. What a pow- what powerful words. And the day will come when we get to sing and be with God, be in joy forever. It's a wonderful time coming. Glad that you're with us this morning. Glad you're here to worship with us. I hope you've been to Bible class and hope that you're involved in ways, in, and not just here in this building, but involved in sharing your faith and living your faith every day with folks. I have to tell you, we almost didn't have a sermon today. Yesterday, I I always, on Saturdays, I keep my sermon with me everywhere I go, pretty much. And last night, I was getting ready to go to bed, and I wanted to make sure my sermon was on the table before I left. But I looked, and my sermon wasn't there. And I looked in every room of the house trying to find it, even looked in the closet. I looked everywhere trying to find my sermon. And I found it in our recycling bin outside. And so, I've heard of sermons before being recycled by preachers, But I've never heard of one being recycled before it was preached. So you might say afterwards, well, you can throw this one in the trash afterwards instead. No, today we are going to hit on some kind of difficult subjects, but because we are following through... For the next week or two, as we've been doing, uh, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, that sermon that Jesus preached. We're talking about King Jesus and what it means when Jesus is truly Lord of our lives. When It's not just something cultural. It's not just something we do because our parents say to do it. It's not just because society says to do it. It's not because church is a good place to network. It is because Jesus is truly King. And Jesus gave this sermon up on a mountain, so it has this really famous title, Sermon on the Mount, that he gave, where he sits down and he preaches to, to the audience that day about what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. Not that we all make it every day, not that any of us make it all the time. We all struggle, we all sin, but this is what it's like, the ideal of what it's like To be in the kingdom of God, to be with Jesus, this is what he expects, what we read in Matthew, especially Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's all important, don't misunderstand me, every word in the Bible. But this is where he lays down what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. And so last week we were in the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. Today we are farther down in Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to hear these verses from Jesus in verses 22 through 24 where Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or as the old King James used to say, God and mammon. And so in this passage talks about the importance of the eyes and what the eyes see. And we have a famous song when for children that almost all children learn when they go to bible class and one of those verses is be careful little eyes what you see the father up above is looking down in love be careful little eyes what you see and it goes through everything else ears and and i don't think nose but it goes through about everything else And so powerful words. Well, when I was growing up, I remember this being preached and I preached it and and my mother used to teach it to me and we would talk about it is important what goes into your brain. It's important what you are seeing. Think about those things. And so one thing that sometimes we talk about is pornography and the evils of pornography and how that can take us down a place that we never want to be. Can you believe in the years between 2015 and 2017, that's just a three-year little window. In that time that researchers have studied how much time did people spend looking at pornography. When you count it all up, in those three years people spent more than a million, not days, but more hours... People spent more than a million years looking at pornography between 2015 and 2017. I mean, it is prevalent everywhere you look, everywhere you go. In the old days, and typically it's considered an issue for men, but in the old days, the stereotypical thing was you would put on a, you know, a trench coat and a hat and some dark glasses and drive across town to some CD store and buy a magazine. Now you can, it's possible, even right now in the middle of this sermon, whether you're at home or you're in the auditorium, you could be looking at pornography now. You could be looking at it when you're at your child's band concert. I mean, it's all around us. The pornography industry every year makes more money than Hollywood, and it makes more money than the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. I mean, it is huge and prevalent and still growing and and still all around us and so that's one thing we talk about but but it's more than just that right and 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 you say well what does all this mean well what i look at can determine who i am what i'm looking at can determine who i am remember as we talk about this that we are saying saying that we want to be better than what we are, but because the majority of people have issues with that particular subject, probably the majority of people in a congregation have struggled at some point or even now with that subject. So what I look at can determine who I am or what I, what I am, and it's where does my mind dwell what is it I'm doing? Not what do I see passing. I mean, you know, I can't always control what I see passing by me. But what is it that I dwell on? What is it that I start thinking about? Where do I put my mind? And it may not be pornography. You know, there are other ways to do this. It may be the person who's in the cubicle next to you. It may be the neighbor next door. It may be someone that you meet while you're playing video games online. I mean, there are a lot of places that that it can come, that, that people start dwelling on the wrong person rather than their spouse and they start thinking somewhere that they shouldn't be thinking well he makes it very clear he says you know that no one can serve two masters you'll either hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other our whole, our hearts will go one way or the other our hearts will finally take a side and sometimes we think well we can Hide that, and sure enough, we can for a while, but our allegiances will eventually become apparent. Maybe even after we die, but our allegiances will become apparent. And our hearts will be known. Now, I want to stop here for just a minute, about uh, here in the middle of this sermon, Do you, and give you a little idea in your head. Some of you remember that old cartoon, The Flintstones? You remember that? And you remember whenever they would be in the car and Fred would be driving that, that car with his, you know, with his feet, and they would all at once stop like that that's what we're doing in this sermon right now we're stopping it doesn't mean it's over we're going to we're going to go a different direction is all it means some of you say oh good is it over no it's not over but we're going to stop directions because we often am i on over, they took me seriously. (laughs) All right. Okay, there, I'm back. Very good. Not sure what happened there, but we're back. Okay, this is sermon number two, all right? So I'm stopping there to talk about all, uh, we're not talking about those sexual sins now, because That is really not what the passage is about. Now Jesus does talk about the problem with sexual sin in other places. Don't misunderstand me. because And you can apply this passage to that. But that is not what this passage is about. You might have caught the last word of that passage. You cannot serve both God and money. He wasn't talking about the sexual sin we usually talk about. But you can put it in there. It makes sense. But... We were looking at verses 22 through 24. I want you instead to now see verses 6, 19 through 21, which brings us into context of what he was talking about. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wow. Maybe you'd rather I went back to the other subject because now this is going to get tough. Because now we're talking about materialism. And so sometimes whenever we talk about materialism and stuff, it's always talking about somebody else because, you know, it's not me, it's someone else. No, it's really all of us. Probably at some point all of us struggle... With wanting more that we don't really need. We just want or decide that we deserve it for whatever it is, right? We all struggle with this at some point. One of our great honors was being missionaries and working primarily with people in, the thir- in, in third world communities. And it was, it was a great honor to do that. And I've been in some of the poorest neighborhoods, like some of you probably have been too in the world. Like said in the houses or been in houses where literally I have picked weeds between the boards and people's the floors of their living rooms. I mean, I'm talking about poor. Did you know even in those houses there is an issue with materialism and desiring what other people have and being angry with people who have what they don't have, and, and it's not about, about having a lot. Sometimes even when you have a little, it's also a problem. It was one of the biggest shocks I think I had in all of our mission work was finding out that materialism is, is not just a first world problem it's a problem for everybody and this morning as we said here it is a problem for us and you're thinking no it's a problem for those other rich people hey we're the rich people you realize that you got here today in one way or another most of us maybe not all of us but most of us have a job or we have a retirement account or we have something you might have gone down recently but hey we've got it right So we're doing better than a whole lot of people, right? And what Jesus says is, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where vermin and moths destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Well, earthly wealth is not a bad thing. Earthly wealth can be a great thing. It can be good if it is kingdom of God focused. If I am focused on God's kingdom, I've got something good there. I need some money to do that, right? And we would all agree, wherever we are on, on the financial spectrum, we would all agree it is better when I have money saved up so I can pay for for my own issues I deal with, my own bills, rather than have to ask someone for that. So it's not bad to have some money in the bank. That's that's a good thing. But everything I have needs to be focused on God and on God's kingdom that's not me talking that's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount that's what he's saying be careful where you put your treasures that our treasures ought to be focused toward God because sometimes what happens is I start focusing on God it starts out really well but then it all changes and it easily becomes the kingdom of me focused and now it's all about me And maybe I used to give to this, but I don't give to that anymore because, you know, i got to save up. i got to save up for that house that's a little bit bigger, a little bit nicer, for that car that's a little bit bigger, a little bit nicer, a little bit faster. I've got to save up for this vacation that's a little bit more elaborate. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And all at once, all those things that I thought I wasn't, I have become. So here, let me give you $10 so I feel better about myself so I can do that. And... My treasures are really when I'm serious and I'm not trying to just fool myself or fool, fool, fool the church or fool society or whatever. Really, it's about the kingdom of me, not about the kingdom of God. That's not God that we're putting first. It's me sometimes that we put first. There's a book that some of you have probably read or you've heard interviews about this book called uh, Affluenza. About, like, the word fluency and flu put together, affluenza that people sometimes have. It's, in, it's about three or four or five years old. There's an interesting thing that the writer of that book says. He says that people in the United States typically spend more on trash bags than people in 90 nations across the globe spend on everything. We spend more on our trash bags. I tell you what, this has convicted me to do is stop buying trash bags and just put everything in the in the can. Right? No, that can't do that either. Wow. Wow, we have a lot, and I'm not speaking against what we have because something, everything can be good, but we have to use the temporal for the eternal what i have if i have a house i use my house to advance the eternal to help people go to heaven i use my car to advance the eternal how do i do that i don't know we talk about it figure that out i use what i have to advance the kingdom of god not just because it's mine nobody better bother bother it because i'm going to protect it no matter what no that's not the attitude that jesus talks about it is about put your treasure in heaven rather than your treasure on earth. And when we see all these things we may have as tools, rather than an end all, it changes who we are and it changes how we think. Because you realize that anything that is not used for the eternal is temporal. Because everything's just going to go away and everything is going to burn up. So if I am not using it for an eternal cause, I am not getting the most out of whatever it is, because I'm not using it for eternal. Now, the Bible never says that Solomon is the writer of Ecclesiastes, but we often give him credit for and it certainly sounds like it's, like it's him, but I think about Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, you already heard a strong passage from it this morning, so we might as well do a second one, right? He says, I denied myself nothing that my my, my eyes desired. I got it all. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Nothing was gained. After all, I mean, in the end, what does it really matter? Right? Can't save us. All the money in the world will not make us live forever. All the stuff in the world, nothing will make us live forever. I mean, we could... Elon Musk and Bill Gates and whoever else could all take their money down to MD Anderson whenever they're sick with whatever and say, make me well. And sometimes they can and sometimes they can't. Because in the end, it's not worth anything. What's worth something is life in Christ. When he uses this phrase, under the sun, what that means is life without God. Everything under the sun in, 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 in the interpretation here, everything under the sun is life without God. God is above the sun so life with God is worth a lot it's worth everything life without God doesn't have value so the fully devoted heart in the kingdom of God looks like this this is what we talked about two weeks ago that we put God over money that's chapter six verse two do you remember the expectations that Jesus had when you give The expectation for the person who lives in the kingdom of God is that they will be giving. Some people say, well, how much do I give? He didn't say that. He said, when you give, so that he's first in the kingdom of God. So if that's a lot or a little, if you can give a little and still Jesus be first in your life, figure that one out. When you give. So God has to be above my money. And then he says another one, that we put God over necessities in verse 16. You're going, well, what are you talking about? you remember whenever he said and when you fast fast food would be something that we would think is obviously a necessity you can't live very long without it he says put God over your necessities if God is over your necessities then you are moving toward what it means to be in the kingdom of God and then he says another one in verse 9 that we talked about last Sunday that when we put God's name over everything you remember and what we what's often called the lord's prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name you remember what's being said there before he asked for bread before he asked for forgiveness he said father may your name be hallowed may your name be honored so what it means to be in the kingdom of God is that God is greater than our money. God is greater than our necessities. And that God's name is greater than everything else. That we are putting God above all those things. That's what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus. Now you might be thinking if you're sitting there in the pew. I'm not quite there. Neither am I. But I want to be. And I'm trying to be. But I fall down on this all the time. And all of us do. We all need to be better because God has called us to be better. And this is where he said, this is where he wants us to be. You know, I'm going to maybe bore you for half a second, but every once in a while somebody says, well, tell me, how do you write sermons? I'll tell you here in about two minutes how I write sermons. I get two pieces of paper out, is what I do. And on one piece of paper, I draw 12 rectangles, okay? And so... I didn't even know that there was a name for this. I thought I came up with it. It's called storyboarding. I draw 12 rectangles. They represent PowerPoint slides. A sermon, my sermons almost always have 12 slides. Don't count because today you're only getting 11. But almost always there are 12. So in those, I'm ready to put down, my mind thinks an organization like PowerPoint slides. So that's what I'm going to put on them. But I also have this other piece of paper over here that I'm writing down other scriptures. I'm writing down thoughts. I'm writing down points and figuring out what can I put into that or not put into that. And so that's, that's how I do it. It's probably the craziest thing in the world, but it's, it's how my mind works. Well, I often write down whole sentences over here on this other piece of paper that you never see. But today I'm going to share with you the whole sentences That I wrote down. It's not in your notes. I just want you to see it. And this is is what I wrote. Contemplating this passage. If I look at junk. I'll desire junk. If I desire junk. I will waste my time. Talent and treasure on junk. And at the end of life. I will have junk. It will not do me. Any good. Past the date that is on that is on my tombstone it's done and so then after that I wrote the next part of this but if I put my eyes on things eternal I will desire what's eternal I will invest my time talent and treasure on eternity and at the end of life my reward will be eternity If I focus on what's important, then I will reach what is important. Not because I'm perfect, but because I am following the one that is full of grace. So I follow him. I put him first. That he is above everything. Nothing else has value. Except what is eternal. So whatever is temporal, whatever is temporary is to be used toward whatever is eternal. One time a friend of mine was working on a on a doctorate in and it was uh, at at a university in California and he was he was a Bible professor but he was writing this this his dissertation about about indigenous religious groups in Brazil. And the head of his doctoral committee that made him wait an extra three or four years to get his doctorate said, I'm afraid you're going to try to use this dissertation to evangelize people. Let me just go ahead and make it clear. Everything we do should be about evangelism. Not in a mean way, not in a way that we're manipulating people, but everything we do should be helping people get to heaven, right? Right? How awful would we be if we didn't want people to get to heaven? Hey, here's a drink of water. I hope that lasts you a little while. No. All my life is supposed to be about helping people know Jesus because Jesus is eternal, and he says we can be there with him. I want that. I want to be with Jesus and and, and to praise him forever. Forever. But oh, how we get so caught up in things. And so many times people are like, oh, you know, you know I just, I, I, I'm just making this money right now and I'm just focused on this right now because the day is going to come whenever I'm going to become a missionary and I want to make sure that I'm completely supported. I want to support a lot of missionaries or I'm going to do this so I can really help the church someday. But you know what? About 99% of the time, that doesn't work out. Because I never have enough stuff. It's never enough. Whatever we have, we need something new. We need something better. And say, well, that's not me. Yeah, it's me too. It's all of us. And so I get caught up in this temporal world that is junk. Rather than realizing that I can use that junk to honor God and put God first. That's what I'm called to be. That's what it means to be, a, to be in the kingdom of God. And this morning, I'm not asking you to be perfect on this because I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. Our elders aren't perfect. None of us are perfect. But if you're not willing to say, I want to be that. I want to be in the kingdom of God. I want to. I, I know I'm going to fall on my face, but I want to be there. Then this is the place for you. But if you're not willing to try, if you're not willing to say, "Lord, here I am with all my messes," but I want to be better than what I am right now, if you're not willing, this is not the place for you. Doesn't mean I don't like you. Doesn't mean I hate you. Doesn't mean I doesn't mean any of that. Matter of fact, I love you. We want to honor Jesus with everything and be called to a higher standard than we are right now. That is our purpose. So my question for us today is, where is my heart looking? Where is it looking? Toward Jesus, toward spiritual things, toward eternal things, or toward junk? Things that are going to burn up. Where's my heart Where's my heart dwelling? I read an author this past week, he put this really well. He said, if you are not generous, you've probably never experienced the gospel. Because when we really see the kingdom of God for what it is, we see it's the relationship with Jesus that really has value our security is in christ not in money or reputation or stuff or junk our security is in christ sometimes that's tough to live by but that is where we're called this morning, maybe you need to be baptized into Jesus. You are ready to say, I want to take that move into the kingdom of God. And Jesus will save you, not because you're perfect, but because you're committed to him. Because you'll want to be with him. Because you're trying. His blood will wash away your sins and my, and as, as it's washed away mine and so many others. And keeps keeps washing those away. Or maybe you need prayer today. Prayer to want the kingdom of God. You may not be saying, hey, I'm there. You might be saying, Lord, help me want to be there. Help me want to have my treasures in heaven. You can write to us at elders at mcoc.org. People write every week to that, elders at mcoc.org, with all kinds of things that they're struggling with or needing or help or prayers. Or you can come forward and the whole church will pray for you come this morning as we stand and sing.